Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good afternoon, beloved. I have to get used to saying good afternoon, although if you're on the Pacific Coast, it's still morning. It's so, 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 so good to be with you. I am thrilled, and um, we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. Um, I always think about what we should uh, talk about or read about, um, because I love to get back to the Catechism Explained all the time. However, uh, there's much talk now following Father James Altman's statement that um, the Holy Father, uh, Jorge Bergoglio, is not the Pope because he has um, kind of, uh, I guess, rescinded his position through uh, the teaching of heresy. Um, that's um, it's a huge discussion right now, and I don't know it is one that we can conclude positively on. First um, Peter 5 has an article uh, that's titled, Father Altman Goes Sede. That is, um, the word sede vacantis, sede is seat, vacantis vacant, the seat is vacant, meaning there's no pope on the seat of Peter. I'm going to read the article from um, 1 Peter, not 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, um, and it says this, Father Altman has, and, and also um, Patrick Coffin before him, there are several who uh, agree that um, uh, Pope Francis is not the Pope. Um, I personally do not know enough to know that. I know that he teaches heresy. I just can't personally imagine that he is Catholic or still Catholic, if he ever was. But I cannot say whether or not he's the Pope. I have no... Uh, qualification to say such a thing or knowledge. The article reads, Father Altman has produced a video titled Bergoglio is not the Pope. In his address, Father Altman correctly states that no churchman, not even the Pope, can change dogmatic teachings of the Catholic Church. He first quotes the dogmas of Trent regarding the necessity of a state of grace for Holy Communion. and points out that those who teach the contrary are anathema and excommunicated. He thus draws the conclusion that the Pope has excommunicated himself by asserting the contrary of Trent. Hold on, let me just uh, see if I can scroll down here. Okay. He, that's Father Altman, says... that this is an open and shut case. He asserts that non-Catholics cannot be the Pope, Lutherans, Muslims, etc., and because he says Bergoglio, I I cringe when he calls him Bergoglio, Um, uh, at the very least, um, it would be Father Bergoglio or Mr. Bergoglio, I, I cringe at such disrespectful language, even though someone may be Uh, false. Uh, He says, because Bergoglio is not Catholic, therefore he is not the Pope. 
He then emphasizes the admonitions of our Lord against the wolves in sheep's clothing, rightly condemning the Pope and his cronies for their false doctrines. He says we can recognize the false shepherds by their fruits, which is also correct. However, he spends some time speaking of Pope Francis's corrupt appointments and liturgical abuses mixed with doctrinal errors with a rising crescendo of grievances against this pontificate, repeating the phrase from the moment Francis did uh, X thing, a certain thing. This crescendo gives the impression that the good priest, Father Altman, is making an emotional appeal to prove his case, which discredits the presentation. Nevertheless, he says, these grievances reveal and define the incontrovertible fact that Jorge Borgoglio is a false prophet, a false teacher, who has excommunicated himself from the Catholic Church, end quote. He then quotes St. Robert Bellarmine to prove his case, using the normal quotation used from On the Roman Pontiff. He then goes back to Trent, which says that we can know the heresy and who is ipso facto excommunicated. He states correctly that we are not the schismatics when we hold fast to the deposit of faith. Before we comment uh, on the substance of Father Altman's assertions, it is important that we give credit to Father Altman for his stalwart defense of the faith against the corruption of the Pope and many bishops. Father Altman is obviously a good priest who is doing his best to defend the sheep against wolves. And for that reason, every Catholic should be thankful to him for trying to work for the faith since he is doing more than the vast majority of priests out there. However, having said that, we must point out a few important things about his talk. Father Altman says repeatedly, don't take my word for it, and quotes St. Robert Bellarmine. But what is not included in his case is the fact that Bellarmine represents one view among a number of accepted and traditional views. The question of a heretical pope has not been definitively resolved by the magisterium. Bishop Athanasius Snyder, for instance, published a different view, also based on the patristics and tradition, also at 1 Peter 5 back in 2019. The paradox between you are Peter and get thee behind me, Satan. See that? When Peter wanted to uh, uh, stop the crucifixion of Christ, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. Um, That's not been resolved in the tradition. Vatican I did not address important specifics of these things, leading to dubia about the papacy, which are outlined in a different article uh, titled The Dubia of Vatican I. Because of this, it is not possible for bishops or priests, and certainly not the common faithful, to assert a particular view on this question as if it had been, one, definitively resolved, and two, educated for a given case in our time now. As Peter Kwasniewski writes in his text on hyperpapalism, in the context 
of the Beneplantist controversy. Um, he says this, quote, I do not believe that the ordinary faithful are competent to educate when God has stripped a pope of the papal office owing to formal heresy. It is one thing to raise doubts and difficulties about Benedict XVI's abdication and Francis's apparent heresies, leaving the final determination to a future pope or ecumenical council. It is quite another to decide on one's own or as part of a small remnant that one may cease to recognize as pope the one who is virtually unanimously and universally recognized as pope. Since the the tradition is not definitive on this question, no one can definitively judge the issue, including the case of the current pope. In the text Defending the Faith Against Present Heresies, editors John Lamont and Claudio um, Pierantoni, Pierantoni bring together the various interventions of theologians against Pope Francis and various heresies which can be ascribed to him, either directly and indirectly. This text wisely includes an additional note in the beginning, which says that, quote, the documents collected here do not attempt a moral judgment on the person of the Pope, end quote. Thus, the editors attempt to draw a distinction between the objective faults against the faith and the subjective gravity of these faults. This is the ambiguity in which we must live as Catholics, holding fast to the deposit of faith, but realizing that our ability to judge the Pope is severely limited. We can judge what we are obliged to pass down to our children. Otherwise, we could not pass it down. But we are not obliged to pass down to our children an answer on the question of an heretical Pope, nor to judge the current Pope, since it is beyond the jurisdiction of the faithful to adjudicate these questions. The trap of Sedevacantism, that is, that the seat of Peter is empty, the trap of Sedevacantism seems to be an excessive reliance on tribunals other than the ecclesiastical hierarchy. The long-term result is a system of private remnants which cannot be united in truth by an objective visible hierarchy. Now, I know many of us have to read through this a few times to fully get uh, all its import, but um, it's, it's very important, uh, beloved, that we do not draw personal, uh, even a bishop, even a holy priest, uh, conclusive um, uh, end about Um, Pope Francis. We don't have um, the power from God to do that. And so the article ends by T.S. Flanders. Uh, Thus we cannot agree that the case against Pope Francis as Pope is an open and shut case. We must use caution in this matter and not go beyond what has been passed down to us by tradition. We must live in this ambiguity but with faith that God will resolve these matters in his own time. We'll be right back after the break.
prayer to the Sacred Heart that St. Gertrude the Great wrote. I salute thee, O Sacred Heart of Jesus, living and vivifying source of eternal life, infinite treasure of the divinity, ardent furnace of divine love. Thou art the place of my repose and my refuge. Enkindle in my heart the fire of that ardent love with which thine own is inflamed. Pour into my heart the great graces of which thine is the source, and grant that my heart may be so closely united to thine, that thy will may be mine, and that my will may be eternally conformed to thine, since I desire that henceforth thy holy will may be the rule of all my desires and all my actions. Amen. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, I am she and we are live and I was going to begin on a second article. Um, it's Rorati Chaley. Uh, the article is in 2019. And the, um, uh, the title is on the question of a heretical pope. It's very long. If I start it now, we will not finish it during this program. Um, I'm simply going to refer you to it. Uh, because it's very good. It's by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Um, and um, the beginning of the article uh, has a little note that says, we urge everyone to reprint, post, and share this important op-ed published first here at Rorati Celli, uh, far and wide. And we urge you to keep reading beyond the Read More link as His Excellency, that's Bishop Athanasius Snyder, lays out a plausible case for the future binding canonical norms to address a heretical or a manifestly uh, heterodox um, heterodox pope. Um, it's in March 2019, Rorate Cherley, and you can look that up perhaps uh, on the internet and read it. Um, and perhaps I'll read it or um, reprint it in our next newsletter. Our next newsletter, beloved, is going to be chock full of so many things, 
um, the, the fruit of my final vows, which I bless many of you prayed for and got so much, so many congratulations in the mail and email and it's so beautiful. And this past Friday night, Bishop, Ath- Bishop, um, I'm thinking Athanasius Snyder, Bishop Strickland, Joseph Strickland was here at our priory, at our new property and received Sister Gertrude Marie into her first vows. And then, um, we have uh, taken in the past year, um, put five postulants into the novitiate. I think I'm going to put all those pictures in our next newsletter. People have said, why don't you give us news about your community? And, and why don't you show pictures of the sisters? You know, I, I hardly, I don't really think of it much because our hearts are to help God's design for the family help um, souls to be saved, get the truth out there, and that's all we're about. But so much has happened now, and we're so happy with our new property and all that lies ahead that I think I'll fill our next newsletter with it. So uh, if you're not on our newsletter uh, uh, mailing list, you're welcome. Our website is www.motherofisraelshope.org. You can click on newsletter and write on top. Um, you'll see how to sign up to get it by email and or regular mail or both. If you have your email included, you will also receive, oh, maybe three or so emails we send out during the year on important issues. So uh, you're welcome to do that. And you've got time because I, I barely, uh, barely, hardly, uh, barely just started on it. So... Um, I'm going to go to your calls and emails early today. Um, our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Our lines are open. Plenty of time now, 50 minutes for you to call in, um, uh, 40 minutes, and um, we'll be uh, just delighted um, to hear from you. So let me take, we have an email here from Jason. Hold on. Um, He says, praise be to Jesus and Mary. I was hoping to get in touch with you regarding my struggles with entering into religious life, be it a third order or first order. I listened to your conversion story and know that you entered into religious life later on, past your 30s. Absolutely, I was in my 60s, (laughs) and I am currently 43, but have been feeling a deep call to give myself to God in a special way. That's wonderful, Jason. I'm looking for a most likely third order that is fully traditional, but in total union with Rome, and hopefully has canonical status. It has been very hard finding one, and I was hoping to at least be able to speak with you on how you found a traditional order and was able to enter past the age of 35. Oh, dear Jason, I'm sorry to tell you I founded this one. I didn't enter a traditional order. I founded this one at the age of 65. What can I tell you? I'm not suggesting you do the same, but I do know there are many traditional men's orders that will accept men. Uh, after the age of sixty-five, of, of uh, 35. Not a question in the world. Not a question in the world. Um, let's see. He says, I have found the Marian Franciscan Minor Order, which are traditional Franciscans in North Carolina who have a third order, 
and possible entry of a first-order friar. However, even though they have a Byzantine bishop in California, they have no canonical status with Rome. Do you know what this means exactly as far as what they are deprived of, graces and such, and if it is something that I should not consider, especially if they express that they don't want to be any larger than a minor order with canonical status so that they cannot be crushed. I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, when an order begins, it's really order is not the proper term. There are very few orders in the church. Um, community or congregation is the, we say order because it has two syllables. It's easier to say than community or congregation, but we are not an order. We are a community, a congregation. And all the new so-called orders that have begun, um, they're, they're congregations or communities. Used, they have to establish, be established quite a, and, and fully under the Pope to finally be named an order. But I would not... Um, uh, cease to enter them because they are in the process of becoming canonical. They begin as a private association. Then they need to uh, be decreed. A pu- then they need to be decreed a public association under the bishop of their diocese. Um, and then the next step would be an institute of diocesan right. And I believe canonical law has changed. It used to be six members. Now it's 40, I understand. So it takes quite a while. And that's still under the bishop of the diocese. But now Rome gets involved with the paperwork and such. And then finally, the final step is to be papal. That's directly under the pope. So I would not hold back from an order that at least has reached the first stage of uh, being a public association of the faithful. Um, and it's not that they're deprived of graces, it's that with each stage they, stage, they receive more graces. Um, and I don't know when you say they don't want to be any larger than a minor order with canonical status so that they can't be crushed. Um, if they have canonical status, I don't know what it means, not numerically, to be a minor order. I don't see any problem with that. Um, and I don't know that the they can't be crushed because they're a minor order. I, I don't know that anyone is beyond being crushed. Uh, I know of a bishop that uh, did crush um, uh, one that was a public association of the faithful, so I don't think anyone's ever beyond the state of being crushed. Um, Jason says, I understand the times we live in and the attack on tradition and traditional orders the TLM, that's traditional Latin mass, etc. But I feel uncomfortable with an order that does not seem to want to ever seek canonical status. I would too. I would too. I would not go with, with a community that does not seek canonical status. Um, I have considered the Carmelites and Dominicans, but they are novus ordo. Well, they aren't novus ordo. Certain of their communities are novus ordo. And I see some Protestantism and worldliness in some of these orders that are not traditional. If you could please keep this... Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, um, someone here missed the boat. Uh, At the very end, you asked if I could keep this email private. I wish you would have said that right up top, and I wouldn't even have begun to read it, Jason. Um, Anyone who wants to write in... Um, 
if you want it to be private and not read on the air, you must say confidential right at the top, not at the bottom when I've already read it. I, I generally don't read the emails in advance. I read them directly on the program. So um, I'm sorry about that, Jason. But in any case, um, there are numerous orders that would fit what you're looking for. And to begin with, I would go to the um, Institute on Religious Life, IRL Institute on Religious Life, and, and you will see many, many orders of monks and priests and all of that on there um, that are canonical or in the process of becoming canonical, and, um, and they'll, they'll, you'll have a way to contact them. That's, that's a very good start. But there are Dominicans and there are Carmelites that are traditional, and have the TLM, um, as well as uh, Franciscans, and certainly Benedictines. So, um, the, much for you to look at, Jason. Much, much, much for you to look at. Okay, we have an email from Teresa, who says, uh, Hi, Mother Miriam, I just want to say how happy I am for you that you received your final vows. Teresa, thank you so much. Um, I can't be... Um, happier than I am. And let me see, I think I'm going to boast right now. I showed you all my ring. You see that ring? I've never had a ring on any finger for any reason. And now I have a ring. I'm married to God. And on uh, religious, the ring is on your right hand. So I'm, I'm just so, so happy and thrilled and ecstatic. Okay. Um, praise be to God. She writes... Me and my daughter watched your ceremony and both cried. May God bless you abundantly. Thank you so much. And if any of you have, it was a two and a half hour mass and ceremony. But LifeSite News did a magnificent job of putting into a three and a half minute video. And if you haven't seen it, just go to LifeSite News, uh, Mother Miriam's Final Vows, and you'll get it. Teresa says, I have written to you before. You've been such a blessing to me. I'm so happy, Teresa. She says, I appreciate all your help. My daughter is 11 years old. She's been talking about becoming a nun for the past year. That's wonderful. She has had several encounters, little miracles meant for her heart over her short life. The first miracle was when she was nine and she heard the Blessed Mother whisper in her ear. She told her to listen when she is at church and to pay attention at Mass. The second miracle was on Divine Mercy weekend. We went to confession that Saturday. We saw the Divine Mercy image in the church, and she asked about Jesus' rays. I told her how one drop of Jesus' precious blood could heal the entire world. She writes down her sins on a piece of paper so that she could remember them. When she came out of confession, we walked out of the church. We always go uh, we always go to rip up our papers with our sins on them and throw them away, signifying our clean souls. When she opened her paper, it had one drop of blood on it. It was not from her, and she had no cut. None of us did, and she held that paper in her hands the entire time she said mom that's jesus's blood i tell you i'm reading this and i'm i'm a absolute goosebump there's the music for our 
a half hour break, beloved. We'll come right back after the break and finish this email and take your calls. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to the Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. A bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. We started early today, um, but we have a full half hour to go and our lines are open and you're very welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll free, anonymous or with your name, it doesn't matter, one 511 
we always go to rip up our papers with our sins on them and throw them away, uh, signifying our clean souls. When she opened her paper, it had one drop of blood on it. It was not from her. She had no cut. None of us did. And she held that paper in her hand the entire time. She told me, Mom, that's Jesus' blood. We still have that paper and call it her miracle from Jesus showing us his truth. And I said before, the, like, I'm a goosebump. I'm still a goosebump rereading it. The third was recently. Her favorite saint is St. Therese. She had a dream that she was at St. Therese's final vows ceremony. She was kneeling in the pew and watched the entire process take place. Then St. Therese went up to her and told her that she was to follow in her footsteps. And the mother writes, wow, right? Oh, I tell you, you do have a little nun on your hands, Mom. And she says, now my little one is number three out of my four children. She's also on the spectrum for autism, but is very high functioning. I'm not sure if the religious life is meant for her due to this. I tell you what, we would receive a high-functioning autism individual here. I've met beautiful, beautiful young ladies who are on the spectrum spectrum of autism and um, are very, very high-functioning. In fact, uh, we have someone here now on retreat with us discerning religious life, and she's absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm not sure, she said, if the religious life is meant for her due to this. Don't worry about that. But I also know that it is up to God and not me. That's right. I can't discount what is happening with her, and I'm not sure what to do. Do not discount it. Trust it, believe it, and keep teaching her about the saints and holiness. Should I tell my parish priest if he's a good and holy priest and will lead her? Well, yes. I don't want not to encourage her if this is what God is calling her to do in her life. Um, I would uh, discuss talking to your priest with your daughter. She's 11. She's old enough to make that decision. And if he's a good and holy priest, you could ask her if she'd like to meet with Father so-and-so and discuss what's been happening. If she doesn't, don't do it. She told me she wants to be in an order that serves children. How beautiful. She loves babies. Any guidance you have for me to help her through this process would be so wonderful. Thank you so much, Mother Teresa. Well, it's also very, very, very wonderful. I would find, um, look up religious, just uh, do an internet search, um, women's religious orders that, that reach out and help children. It could be Mother Teresa of Calcutta, um, uh, but it would be an active order. Um, uh, we are Benedictines who are contemplative active, and we help families and children and teaching at all levels. So that's another option. Um, but there are so many orders that work with children, so many. Just put look on, um, again, the Institute of Religious Life and... Uh, try to find orders that work with children or that teach children. Um, A a very wonderful order is um, the one that was begun um, 
in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, oh, why can't I? Re- I can see their habits. They're new and they're growing wonderfully well. Um, uh, Christ the King, or school, I think it's School Children of Christ the King. That I may be wrong, but type in School Children of Christ the King in Nebraska and see what comes up. That, that's pretty close. They, they teach children. Uh, the Dominicans um, uh, teach, ch- teach school, teach children. So um, all kinds of things, all kinds of opportunities. So um, there are those that work, uh, that establish orphanages for children as well, really babies, not just young children, but babies, many, many things. So I would look into books for those orders, um, uh, all kinds of things. Also, I'm thinking the Franciscans in New York, the women's order started by Father Groeschel. Um, I, I forget what they're, they're just Franciscans. I don't remember what their full name is, but they've produced a few books on how they help children and families. So much, much out there, Teresa. Read about the saints, read about those stories, and... Um, Maybe when she's, um, whenever it's possible, um, some people have nun runs or, or young children visit convents uh, to learn sewing and baking and just to get the experience with them. So um, when she wishes or when you think she's able to do that, that would also be something very good. I have no question God is calling her. I have no doubt about it. We have... Um, an email from Joseph. Now, whether he's calling her to be a nun, I can't say, but he's definitely calling her to himself. Um, we have an email from Joseph uh, who writes, Mother Miriam, good afternoon. I was watching your program and a question arose about the Holy Eucharist. Can a lay person repose the Holy Eucharist at the end of adoration? Thank you in advance and God bless you in all that you do, Joseph. Um, We are religious, but as religious, we're still considered lay people uh, as opposed to the priesthood. Um, Women religious, we're still considered, and men religious if they're not priests, we're still considered part of the lay uh, uh, category of the church. And lay people, uh, for the most part, should not be exposing or reposing the Holy Eucharist. A priest should. In the case of a community, uh, it is um, legitimate, um, again, under the bishop's permission for the head of the community. And in this case, it's me, so I do repose the Holy Eucharist. Uh, I do um, expose him. We have a holy hour every single day. Actually, we have a holy hour and a half every single day, and I repose him. Um, but not a single other sister or soul, whether they're vowed or not, in, in this community can do it. Only the next superior will be able to do that. So I would say no. Um, if the lay person is um, um, a monk or a religious who is commissioned by the bishop to do that, or perhaps the pastor, there might be exceptions but generally, lay people should not open or close that tabernacle at all. 
We have an email from John. Shalom, mother, he writes. Blessings for your final vow. I love you all. You've watched it all. I guess all of you are good fans of LifeSite. Um, and many happy years. And the Facebook page of the Station of the Cross. And he says, many happy years of serving the Lord and his church. Thank you so much, John. Mother, will you kindly explain why the church sees a difference between a rabbi whose prominent call to serve God and his people became Catholic and wants to become a priest. So there, the difference between a rabbi who wants to serve God and his people, and he became Catholic, and now he wants to be a priest. And the difference between any other Christian clergy that comes into the church and wants to become a Catholic priest. Why does the church seem to be less open to Jewish converts? Is the church really ready for an ex-rabbi to be a priest? Would love to hear your opinion. John, now I don't know that the church is less open to Jewish converts. If they are, if there are bishops less open to Jewish converts, then shame on them. Then they have little understanding of what God has done and brought the Messiah through the Jewish people in order that they might be saved. How can you reject um, a Jewish convert when the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, I'm thinking Emil Zoli, the, the uh, rabbi, uh, the chief rabbi of Rome, um, was so uh, enamored with Pope Pius Twelfth that he became Catholic um, and took, Emil, took uh, Pope Pius's name. Uh, so uh, the church should not be less open to Jewish converts. If it is, then they are back in the, I don't know what century, um, the first century where even Jews were against Jewish converts. To have a Jew confirmed, con- convert to the Jewish Messiah and the church he founded is the greatest gift this side of heaven. So there's nothing wrong, there's everything right with a rabbi called to serve God's people becoming Catholic, which is the fulfillment of Judaism, utterly, and then uh, becoming a priest to serve God's people. Uh, There should be no problem with that. Uh, There's stupidity, there's ignorance, there's prejudice, but no theological problem. Jennifer writes, Hello, I am 54 and a single mom whose sons are raised. How might I go about learning about Mother's Convent and discerning the vocation of becoming a nun? Thank you and God bless Jennifer. Jennifer, go to our website again, www.motherofisraelshope.org and look under um, the vocation tab and just scroll down a little bit and you'll see uh, our charism. You can click on the word charism and it'll open up a booklet we have, which you can read online or download, and you'll see our full charism and why we exist. Um, And then you can email me if you wish. Uh, Go to the contact tab and email. There's a a vocations email, vocation inquiry at motherofisraelshope.org and tell me, tell us of your interest and we'll send you a six-page questionnaire which will... um, Uh, enable you to tell us uh, what stage you're at, if you're ready to enter 
a, a religious order. So absolutely, Jennifer, I look forward to hearing from you. And there's no age limit with us. You need to be in fairly good health. You need to be a solid Catholic who knows her faith and loves her faith. There's the music for our final break, dear ones. Um, we will be back after the break and have a good 10 minutes or more for your calls and your emails. The toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Excuse me, I caught that yawn.com. We'll be right back. One man, one woman, for life, for children, for each other, and it's a sacrament. All that you need to fulfill these obligations, these duties of the married state, are in the sacrament of marriage. It does not matter how difficult a particular marriage is. God will give you the grace to be faithful to the vows that you made to your spouse at his altar. The devil knows this, and he uses it every day. He makes people forget the great power and efficacy of the sacrament of marriage. I am utterly shocked at the number of Catholic couples, married couples, devout Catholics, been married for many years, who do not pray together as husband and wife. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That verse shattered me. I stopped everyone on the street, Jim. I said, excuse me, do you know there's a God? Do you know you can know him? I wanted a ladder tall enough to reach the moon to tell the world that there's a Savior. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment. We have 10 minutes and our lines are open. You still have time to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Andrew. Andrew writes, Hi, Mother. I'm writing to you again 
this time with a question regarding the Pope's authority and jurisdiction over every church matter. As we know, the Pope is responsible for guarding the faith and has no right to tamper with doctrines, scripture, the living magisterium, and any other official church teaching. I am starting to think that if he does not have the authority to change any church teaching, that he must not then he must not be higher than any of the councils throughout history. He's not. Not of the authoritative counseling councils and the authoritative teaching of the church. Which, Andrew says, is what Eastern Orthodox Orthodoxy teaches. Well, it's what they teaches. Uh, it's what they teach, but they have left the church. They have left the Pope. They don't acknowledge the authority of the Pope, and they have split many times because they also have disagreed. He says also to mention Pope Paul's sixth teaching in Lumen Gentium, a dogmatic constitution of the church, declares that, quote, the religious submission of mind and will must be shown in a special way to the authentic magisterium of the Roman pontiff, even when he is not speaking ex cathedra. That's exactly right. Ex cathedra means ex out of cathedra means the chair. When he's not speaking um, out of the chair of Peter, that is the, the gift of infallibility. And what binds us when the Pope speaks out of the chair of Peter um, and gives us a matter of faith and morals that is binding on us to believe, the Holy Spirit, through the gift of infallibility, protects the Pope from speaking error on matters of faith and moral what morals when it's binding on the faithful. That's true. But outside of such ex-cathedra or ex-cathedra, it can be pronounced pronouncements, we still owe the Holy Father, um, a religious submission of mind and will. Um, we still owe that, but not blindly, not blindly. If he speaks what is false, what is against the teaching of the church, we owe him no obedience in that. He is elected as Pope, as chief shepherd, as the vicar of Christ to guard and protect the faith. He has no power to change whatsoever. Okay, go back to Andrew's email. Does this mean that we have to obey the current Pope's move of restricting the Latin Mass when all teachings of the Church are against any change to the traditional liturgy? It does not mean we have to obey him. He has no power to change the Latin Mass. He has no power. He didn't invent it. It's not his to play with or to change. Um, Andrew says, what would happen if the Pope changed actual church teaching, and how would he be anathematized? Well, he has, from his point of view, tried to change church teaching. We don't obey that. We obey him when he guards the deposit of faith. Outside of that, we don't obey. Um, we don't obey what is false. How he would be anathematized, I don't know, we don't know. Um, that's not been clearly answered in the church. Furthermore, Andrew says, if he has no authority to change the church, would not that prove that the Orthodox Church is correct? Absolutely not. Because the Orthodox Church uh, does not hold itself under the Pope at all. 
or to the magisterium at all. And again, the Orthodox Church has split under different patriarchs in 2,000 years, or at least in the 1,000 years since they broke from Rome. Um, Andrew says they declare that there is the Orthodox Church, that there is not a single pope who is higher than any ecumenical council who has authority to change the church. Otherwise, he would be excommunicated. Nor does he have authority over every patriarch, but together with the patriarchs, guard the faith as they are formulated doctrines together in the early centuries of the church. Well, he's not over the patriarchs because they will not put themselves under him. That's what John Paul II calls the two lungs of the church. Both are valid, both can receive the Holy Eucharist, but there is one Pope, and the Orthodox Church has separated themselves from that vicar of Christ, and they've done, in a sense, their own thing, which is why they also have split. And the Catholic Church, with all its evil and disobedience, uh, has remained for 2,000 years. Andrew says, although the Pope was the highest bishop of the seven ecumenical councils, as stated, at this point, I think that the Pope, Andrew says, is not higher than the official institution of the church. He's not. He's not higher than the magisterium. He is not. But is rather the highest ranking manager, so to speak. You could say that, or prime minister in it. More than that, though, he is truly the vicar of Christ on earth. He is Christ's representative on earth, not just a manager, not just a prime minister, but the substitute for Christ on earth, who Christ has on earth to speak the truth and to lead the church into all truth until the end of time. Andrew says, is this the actual teaching? If this is true, then did Pope Paul VI, Pope Francis, and other popes abuse this role. Yes, absolutely abuse the role. Yes. I heard some information from radical Greek Orthodox apologists who say that Vatican II contradicts Vatican I, all due to what they shamefully call heretical, the doctrine of papal supremacy per se. No, that's not heretical, uh, but it could be that the papal office is abused by one who holds it um, by thinking he has a certain power to be a dictator or change doctrine. That's not so. Any thoughts and answers on this would be so helpful. May God reward you immensely for teaching the faith in Christ, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Um, thank you very much. I'm trying to think. There's a priest um, no longer alive, Father... Um, oh... Ryan, I can't think of his full name, um, beautiful, beautiful priest who converted to the Catholic Church from uh, orthodoxy and has written a few books on them. Um, but again, orthodoxy does not, not consider the Pope the highest of the patriarchs. Absolutely not. The patriarchs do not acknowledge him as Pope. The East does not acknowledge the papacy of the West. And so they do not put themselves under him. We long for that to happen. John Paul II um, uh, longed for that to happen. Um, um, uh, Bob Monahan of Inside the Vatican um, 
is is a great um, uh, soldier for the East and West, the two so-called lungs of the church to come together. But if they come together, there's no unity apart from truth. The only way to come together is for the East to come back under the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and the vicar of Christ on earth. Even if he is not perfect in his ways, even if he teaches falsehood, this is the Catholic church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God will fulfill his promise to lead it into all truth till the end of time. And as many have written, we cannot know for sure. We cannot do anything about excommunicating Pope Francis. Bishop Athanasius Snyder and others have said that will be the job of the next pope to know what to do about that or a future ecumenical council. God bless all of you, dear ones, and will, God willing, will be with you tomorrow. God bless you.